episode 64 of the Metro Fan TV rundown come to you live on a gloomy Good Friday. Well, I mean, it's Friday here in Singapore. Uh, it's probably, and it probably will be Friday for you soon as well. But regardless, gloomy Friday, bloody Friday, I don't even know what to call it. Coming off of a 2-1 loss to Montreal at home. That felt rather inexplicable. But anyway, um, before we... Uh, before we spiral into despair, uh, I'd like to I'd like to draw everybody's attention that I have other people to drag into despair with me, and that is none other than Juan Escalante. How are you, my friend? Doing all right, Lens. Just a, yeah. a, another week of Red Bull soccer ahead of us. I'm going to forget what happened this past weekend. Put it all behind me. Uh, yeah, that was uh, needless to say that was that was not a fun soiree at the arena that afternoon. I think I think I think we need to stop making pronouncements on this podcast about. Let's not preview the game this week. Let's try to just not uh, not say that we need to be binning our opponents because that seems to have, never, have not worked so far. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I think we kind of doomed doomed ourselves by saying that Lake Keep needed to give us a ten uh, this weekend. <laughs> uh, kind of proclamations that will live in the uh, long list of uh, infamous proclamations on this podcast. I'm sure. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, not eat crow 2K22. I think that's going to be our campaign going forward. Um, I'd rather us be. Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess we're still third in the East after this loss, but still, I mean, uh, very annoying to still have not picked up three points at home, especially mm-hmm. since we were in a winning position for most of the first for most of the game as well. Um, also, cause we were so effusive last week talking about the mentality of this team getting three points on the road, and then they gave us that on Yeah, Saturday. no, I mean, like, what the fuck, man? Seriously? Come on, guys. Like, 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 like I thought there were gains made, right, after, like, the the Columbus loss. Oh, no, sorry, the Columbus last-minute draw, right? That kind of felt like a loss. And then we should house the way to, like, the first first uh, win in New England, I think. Yep. And, like... Five years or so, somewhere like Since you yeah, were well, there. Yeah, exactly. The last time we won in New England, I was still in America. That's like a fucking uh, indicator of anything. <laughs> it's literally been half a decade. <laughs> Gonzalo Verone was on the team, you guys. That's Gonzalo. a name we haven't we haven't mentioned in a really, really long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a benchmark, isn't it? Um, let's... I think... Um, yeah, I mean, definitely disappointing. But I think uh, uh, before we really um, spiral into, I think, uh, yet another struggle session on this podcast, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, the story of this game is that it's a game of two halves, right? I think uh, the first half was, had probably, I think, uh, the best offensive display that we've seen from this team in, like, probably all season. I would say. I, I guess best defense... Okay, wait. L- l- I think we should reframe that because remember uh, against Toronto, we had... We did score goals. three goals in the first half, yeah. But exactly. I mean, I think in terms of like the overall movement at the fluidity, it was just an absolute uh, yes. joy to like, watch some, uh, some uh, as experts call it, uh, Shoga Bonito right? <laughs> in that first half. Um, and of course, I think uh, the... The story of that, of course, being at the center of that would be the impact 
that Lukinius had in the game. Right, I yes. think uh, we could probably definitely agree that that was a shiny positive. You know, it's like the man went up there and he was like, uh, watched all the videos. <laughs> he watched all the Jogo Benito videos before he stepped on the pitch and he was like, people have forgotten what Una is. We're not yeah. here. <laughs> Lukinia is like in his perfect like French accent being like, you can sing like the Canary, you can be a virtuoso, but believe me, you can make only beautiful music if you know how to play in an orchestra. And then he pulls out his drum like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody busts a really awful freestyle over it that everybody's vicariously embarrassed by <laughs> exactly because this is America <laughs> yeah no I mean I mean I think uh, that, that's definitely the thing that caught people's attention right I mean uh, needless to say the, the build up and the run up to our opener was just so fucking good that, so like, good it kind of felt like a it felt like an arrival moment, right? And then yeah. the second half happened. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, the focus. build up on the goal was like, is like, look, if you're under 5'7", uh, just start, you can only play at one touch. Yeah. Well, then the guy Short was playing one touch passes, like, playing one touch passes with eyes at the back of his head and stuff. Like, that reverse, uh, that kind that kind of, like, back heel one. The back oh, heel yeah. touch into, like, a space for Drew Yerwood. I was like, yo. He's he's such a fun player. I turned into uh, the I turned into the Kabuki guy when I saw that. You know, yo, like yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was sick. Yeah, that was sick. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I think no doubt a definite positive from this game. I think was probably the stacking contributions, and I mean, I think it's not just that, right? I mean, it's just the general vision uh, that he displays. How quick the release is, how I mean, like how he can basically pull, start pulling away from guys like the moment he gets on the ball because his pivot is. Yeah, so you know, it's with, with Lucinius. One of the things that I notice is that like, there's one thing when he's dribbling, right? He can he can sort of go in any direction, but like even before he receives the ball, you don't know which direction he's going to spin or take a touch in, and that must be like a nightmare to play against. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those like understated things that makes a really good player, right? Is the is the faint. And the ability yeah. to like not like telegraph where you're going to be taking the ball, like when you receive it, yeah. like uh, as one of those things that like uh, you know it's an absolute nightmare. Like uh, for people who have played the game, right? They'll probably all agree that like not being able to read opponents like that, who can then just turn on a dime in any which direction and just leave you in the dirt. I mean that that's such a pain in the ass to like play against quite frankly yes apparently i got i i, I went out and got the nicest uh, uh microscope i can find and i zoomed in onto a speck of dust and then next to the speck of dust uh was uh Lucinius's turning radius i'm like wow that's so small <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i mean i think um obviously i think a big confounding variable would be the fact that we didn't have our quote-unquote, first-choice midfield access, right, to play right. for this game because of Frankie Amaya's suspension. But, you know, I can only imagine what that looks like once he's back. And we have um, that... And, and we have some of that shuttling ability back, right? Because I think yeah. uh, in these three, right, Amaya, Yearwood, and Lukinias, we have three really good dribblers, right? We have three dribbly boys now. It's... <laughs> So do you think yeah, so had had Amaya not been suspended, do you think we would have still would have gone with the four two three one? 
Yeah, you see, I think uh, that, that, that that's a good question for me, right? Because I think um, I think four two three one is deployed in part because um, Caceres. I mean, he had a really he had a pretty good game. Right, he think, had a pretty uh, good game but, up until he got into the final third. I think that's having watched the game again, it was like that's probably what's what it felt like. Yeah, and, and, and I think that would definitely be a fair assessment, right? But I think uh, with regards to four two three one, it's there to like kind of accommodate for the fact that he's not really a shuttler, I would say. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think uh and I think the reason why um as a result of that, if you're playing with someone who's a bit more static, right, you're going to need to have more support in the center of the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you don't really have this, um, you don't really have, that's why I think you had Omir there as like, sort of like the hook slash like, yeah, uh, Gonche. Yeah. <laughs> I hate using that term, but yeah, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> to use that football manager term, but yeah, um, acting as like that sort of pivot i think dropping a bit deeper to help facilitate uh the transition right Mm -hmm. but even that didn't really happen so much after a while i feel like i think uh generally the diagnosis is is that our midfield just kind of evaporated completely (laughs) after the half well for whatever reason and uh or rather i I think rather it just like once in transition, they got they they were able to move the ball up the field, but then like once we got into the final third, it just like the chances no- kind of dried up, and there weren't that many like plays. Because I still feel like having watched Omir's game again, because I was like I was concerned that like bringing Lukinez into the team, what would that spell for Omir, right, specifically, and what Omir's role would be, and. We go out with the four two three one, and obviously Omir's in the center of the park, but he's not exactly like that number ten spot. He's more like you've said, like linking those plays, and especially like when we're off the ball, Omir would push up and be be like uh, make like a, a front two pressing with um, with Klamala. So yeah, it's just like really like again watching the second half. Like we are a few like lucky bounces bef- between like. Or like a, a blocked ball away from like generating really good chances. Just like like the, the final ball was like two inches off where it should have been a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, the, the the main diagnosis that I have with that right going in is that, like you said, the transition was really good. But once we get in the area around the attacking third, I mean, like where was the attacking movement after a while? Right. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, one thing that we can definitely say is that like the secondary runs kind of dried up as the game went on right i'm not really sure yeah. why that is but you know i mean uh we, we talk a lot about how last year we struggled a lot right to generate anything meaningful because uh the moment it gets to either fabio or klimala the attacking third there's like no one around them right that yeah. they can pass to or they can uh, open up outlets to to then uh slot into then slide into the box right and i think um <clears throat> And I think this is sort of like the key thing here for me, right? Is that the if, if, if the secondary runs aren't happening, then your forwards aren't going to be able to get into the box. Quite frankly, they have to lay it off for somebody or somebody has to be pulling out that space out wide, right? I mean, we talk yeah. a lot about how the strikers are the space creators a lot of the time. But, you know, I mean, what we've always been positioning as like the next step for this team is that like uh, you'll have other people 
running into space to pull that space out wide for the forwards to then like slip into. Right, you saw it a little bit against Toronto when that was happening with the Klimala and Morgan, but you haven't really seen much of that since, right? And I think um, this is uh, we, we seem to have reverted a bit back into like that 2021 spell as a result of that, right? Just simply because there haven't been the, the movement in the attacking third hasn't quite been as dynamic for whatever reason, and uh, basically we are still relying too much on certain individuals to be opening up space for everybody else yeah you know it, it, we, we kind of need a bunch of different looks to that like i think ideally we're supposed to be bringing in players who are comfortable in like wide and central positions because exactly that right people will flush out pitch out wide it opens up space in the middle for the forwards to move into or like an attacking midfielder to move into the center mm -hmm. we haven't really been seeing so much of that recently um and of course i think we can't really talk about this without i mean i think obviously a bit of a lightning rod of contention right now right is the role of our striker in this uh, yes. system but i really do think it's a bit too lazy quite frankly to be pinning it's, it all yeah. on one person like i think like i think like i get it striker probably has been traditionally expected to be the guy who like carries the goal scoring load but simple fact of the matter is is that like what chances up there for him to be to have buried in the last few yeah. games yeah. If you'll have a look at his touch if you look at his touch map like most of his touches are happening far far and away from the 18 yard box i mean that what that indicates to me is that he's dropping deeper to try and get in the ball more just simply because he hasn't been able to get the kind of service that he wants yeah right i mean that's that's just that's just the reality of the situation i mean sure um Sure. Like, I mean, I like, was... like, like the like the goal he scored against Toronto, right? Where, yeah. uh, where Morgan makes that run down the channel in, on the right hand side, and then he feeds that ball in low. Can you think of another time this season where that has happened? No, I mean, not a lot, to be honest. I mean, like, even right. if you look at most of his highlight reels, like, it's, a lot of it is actually coming from him dribbling from a deeper position, right, and then ripping right. off a shot at like a really acute angle, a really awkward mm -hmm. angle. You compare this to, say, like when Brad was there, right? When basically he had a lot more touches inside the 18-yard box. Simply yeah. because, like, A, the service was a lot better. And yeah. two, there was more space being opened up because he had more attackers around him creating that space for him to move into. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is where we understand it. <laughs> Soccer is not a one-man show. You know, and... Obviously, I think we Brad is Brad's elite ability was being able to sniff out that space and like uh, get it on target more often than not, right? But I think when you talk about chance creation being an issue, it's been an issue for this team. I think arguably since I don't know. I mean, the Armas years, <laughs> right? I would say. I mean, even Brad struggled on those teams, right? I mean, you know, I mean that's the. Uh, that's the thing here for me, you know. It's it's not as easy as saying uh, we don't we didn't find enough. <laughs> like what? It's, I don't think it's really an easy case. Like our striker's not converting enough of his chances as much as it is. Like we are still not creating a steady volume of chances for him to put away that are right, right. in front of goal. You know. I mean, I think that's the story into putting here. I think. Um, I think uh, I think uh, some of the 
some of the, uh, some, and, I, and I think some of the um, charts that I've come across will probably back that up to a degree. But simply, but I think to just drop it back uh, to the idea of the, I mean, I think this whole thing about attacking movement, uh, of course, I think uh, it's also notable to see that most of uh, the invention and attack just kind of dried up the moment we took Lucinius off the pitch, Yeah, I would say. Some of the uh, substitutions haven't really, I think, uh, covered ourselves in uh, too much glory this year. I think, uh, again, I don't want to scapegoat people, but I, I don't know in what universe does it warrant taking off like an attacker to put on Dylan Milas. And not to yeah, say that no, he was yeah. culpable for the game, but I mean, like, uh, this is one of those head scratchers, I think, for me. It's like, yeah, yeah, Struber was saying after the game that they want to just like make sure his that he, they want to make sure that he's fit to go 90, but even then, it's like. If you're looking at the games, he was like, he was playing full ninety minute games in Poland before he showed up, um, and I guess to that point now they've said it today that Fletcher and uh, and Glukinius are now able to play full nineties now, which is which is reassuring. But then, which also begs the question now is like why why can't Patrick Lamala go ninety? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I I I think we know that we sense a player that's kind of low on confidence right now. And I'm not really sure if it helps so much if he's being dragged off for 55 minutes after having to chase tails like the whole game, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think uh, what 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 can definitely be fair to say is that I think the holdup play has definitely dropped off a little bit right over the last few weeks. But at the same time, I mean, like we also cannot ignore the fact that like some of the supporting pieces that were brought in haven't really. Uh, haven't really been firing in all cylinders, I think, yeah. last couple of weeks. I mean, Lewis Morgan kind of dropped off after the hat-trick game a little bit. Uh, still seems to be that he's trying to figure out what his best role is actually going to be. It's um, very weird to watch. I think he's most dangerous where he's making a run, where he, like, he's making a run into space, where like basically where the ball shuffles from the left-hand side over to the right-hand side, and he makes that run into space to play that ball in for, for him to like put crosses in but he's not he's actually not especially like in comparison to Lucinius he's not that much of a dribbler he can dribble at pace which is fine and then he could probably get a pass off but when things slow down he can't really do much which I realized a few times in this game yeah granted he 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 had he he did not have a good game in particular he he had a lot of misplaced touches some of the passes were wayward just like generally not not that great but I think looking at his overall game now trying to see maybe he actually needs more runway to run into. I don't know if he needs to be because it like it not once at, at any point this season does Struber want him to play on the left hand side, even though the left seems to be his preferred foot at the very least when like taking taking set pieces. So it's like they still want him on the right hand side, you know, going up and down, but in what way is is the is the question now? I mean, I think I, I think uh, the hint there basically, right, was that it seemed early on in the year that we would be doing like a left, that we'd be going, we'd be going down the left hand channel a little bit more, and then swinging it out wide to the right, if and when mm-hmm. the situation kind of warranted for it. And then you kind of saw right. that like kind of happen a few times against San Jose and then Toronto, right? I think uh, 
a lot of these uh a lot of play centered on like Tolkien kind of pushing up hard and hard at left back yeah um getting people to concentrate and that's at the pitch and then like uh, there would be a secondary run that comes in into like space that opens up at the far post for like Lewis Morgan to like try and get on the end of some of that right but yeah again like we haven't really been seeing much of those early season uh early season offensive sets right i think mm-hmm. in the last few weeks for whatever reason yeah Maybe personnel and formation changes have a flux in that, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like we've had a we've we, we, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that um, tinkering hasn't been a problem. I think Struber loves to tinker, man. Over the last year or so, yeah. I mean, exactly. More, I mean, it works sometimes. I mean, I not not that we're like, not averse to like to coaches doing galaxy brain, but it does feel like he 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 does like to do that a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, so. This is sort of like uh, we we touched upon this a bit last year. I think when we were down in the doldrums of twenty twenty one. But I mean, I think uh, sometimes it kind of feels like we are <laughs> moving from one cohesive idea too quickly to another. And we, I, I would probably wish that we kind of settled on something sooner rather than later, because I, I kind of imagine it's good for the good to build up some kind of cohesion, some kind of rhythm, right? If the roles and the tactics are going to be changing like weekly and players are going to be thrust into situations that, um, into really into a whole variety of situations faster than they can kind of grasp what they're supposed to be doing if you know what i mean right right like i think some of these game state changes don't really help either that's why i think like i don't know i mean i i would generally prefer <laughs> if we stop doing things like this to <laughs> say the least <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I think to go back to this idea about Lewis Morgan, I think I do agree, right? I mean, I think uh, generally the buzz around it seems to be that he does need more of a full head of steam to bring out his best. Um, how we bring that out is sort of a million-dollar question for me, but I still do think it's notable that the most we've seen out of him is when we played with two strikers up top. Yeah. Right? And I also think that it would be key to see what it looks like with Ashley Fletcher now available for 90, because I think, um, I still think our best looks this season happened in that four triple two that we saw. I'm not going to, I think uh, we've been, we've talked about this at length, but again, you know, I think, there's just something about the way that we've operated with a two-striker formation, right? That just suddenly gives opposition defenses a lot more to think about. Um, the way that I think the strikers can kind of dovetail a little bit more. Yeah. Right? And it adds a bit more symmetry to the attack because you'll always have a natural presence in the box as a result of that. That yeah. opens up space for like people to attack with secondary runs, right? It's sort of like the... Uh, Sort of like, what would you what would you think about it? I mean, 
for a while there, I thought it would kind of be like the way that Chelsea used to attack, right? With uh, Frank Lampard making these uh, really late darting runs into the box. But that was done with like <laughs> a lone striker into the Adrogba, so it's not quite analogous. Right, that was like a more of a 4-3-3, right? Yeah. But I think the but I think the general sense is there, right? I mean, like the idea is to provide like two things, like is to provide opposition defenses enough to think about that the presence of people inside the box is what then opens mm-hmm. up space for more attackers to like make late darting runs into the box to attack. Yeah, right? uh, especially from balls being crossed in the box from out wide. You know, I think. We've lost a bit of that, like we said. And uh, hopefully now that we have all of our attacking options available, ideally, that starts to change a little bit. You know, I mean, I can forgive tinkering early in the early part of the season, but after a while, you know, I mean, now that we, especially now that we seem to be approaching full strength as a team, right? Right. I would like to see us settle on something that works sooner rather than later. (laughs) You know, I mean, I cannot make excuses for a manager who doesn't seem to know what they want, having brought in all these players, right? Having had a say in bringing in all these players, you know, after a while, you're supposed to be year two into a project. Right. And we still can't figure out what our best formation is necessarily, right? I think this is where I start to question things. Yeah, you know, it did. It did feel like now that I'm thinking about like compared to last year, it does feel like a better version, or like what we ran out with this time is like a better version of those those games where we played Fabio in the spot where uh, we had Omir playing this time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. When we had the second, the, the second striker tucking in as like the, as like that linking guy right behind a lone striker, right. Patrick Kamala, which I kind of always thought was wasn't a great use of Fabio's talents either. But right. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, again, you know, I mean, like, I think, uh, I think I could have probably framed framed a lot of what I just said a lot better because I think the fact is that we are still generating chances at a higher volume than where we were at some points last year. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, is that I think uh, when it comes, I think it's more about sustaining that level of production now. Right. Rather than like getting up to that level. I mean, we can have shown that we are capable of blowing the doors off the teams in terms of constant chance creation. Right. I think uh, we still are one of the league leaders in expected goals which I think should be something that uh, we shouldn't uh, put down, right, Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And I'm not going to say that, like, off the basis of this uh, one game, yeah, that uh, we, I'm questioning the manager. It's just, uh, I think, based off of what I've seen in the past and... uh, how this game ended up being managed down the road uh, that, you know, it's sort of sort of something to look at, I think, as the season goes ahead, rather than like a dramatic proclamation as of now that 
Schubert's Clueless. Like if the interpretation <laughs> of what I just said is that Schubert's Clueless, that couldn't be further from the case, right? I think it's just something to look forward at now that we have, a, a, now that we apparently have all the pieces that we want available to build a team around, right? This is the moment for me where we cannot give any more leeway, right? If we have all the toys available and we still can't figure something out, this is sort of like where this, where I'm going to start, where the scrutiny starts to ramp up a little bit for me, is all I'm really trying to say here. <laughs> all right. Do you think, is there anything <laughs> left in this particular game? Do you think anything you want to, I'm looking at the FB ref uh, stat sheet, and the one thing that stands out to me the most is that uh, Zach Ryan is on this sheet, despite having because he got a yellow card in the game, but it's funny to see yellow card one, but literally everything else is blank. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, uh, I, I don't know what happened to it to the end there. I think he talked to the ref after one of our shots. I think, I think it was, uh, Lucinius had a shot that was really close, which I would have liked to have gone in, but then he said something to the ref and the ref gave him a yellow. I thought, I thought it was Tom Barlow at first, which I would have been impressed by that, like Tom Barlow finds a way to get a yellow card even when not playing. That would have been very impressive. But uh, c- congrats to Zach Ryan, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I like I usually rewatch these games because I'm usually watching the game in person, games at home, and I was dreading watching uh, the second half. Uh, but uh, I think, like we've touched on earlier, it was a very impressive first half performance, and then. Sp- something i i don't know if it was a tactical switch by montreal or just like it the ball wasn't going into where we wanted it to but it's just like ultimately like the goals that we concede are uh if we want to talk about those so the first the, what's it called the rudy camacho goal is not exactly from a set piece but that's like a second ball off a set piece which i think has happened it happened at least it did not happen in san jose although that was a set piece but it definitely happened against uh, Montreal, not Montreal. Sorry, well, it did happen against Montreal, against Minnesota rather, where we defend the set piece originally, and then the ball shuffles around, and then we go back inside, and then somehow defenders lose their man, and they score off a header. And then the second goal, we could talk about, you know, whose fault it is. I think it's it, it's it's a combination of of a miscommunication between Tom Edwards and Cornell, but uh, not good. Would I rather? Have these goals happened in the regular season and not the playoffs? Sure. But it's still not fun in the moment. I mean, uh, it goes without saying, right? I mean, I think, uh, I mean, this is the other thing that kind of uh, has emerged. The season's kind of gone along, right? I think we've lost these games due to, like, lapses of concentration off of like i don't know i mean would you call them set piece situations i mean like they're rather akin to set piece situations i'd probably say yeah right because like sometimes these are second balls off of dead balls right mm-hmm. or sometimes and most of the goals that we conceded this year were kind of off of those kinds of situations that's kind of it's a bit of an annoying trend to see that um i think to see us lose all these games on Set piece situations, basically. Um, yeah. We, and I don't really know what the best way of fixing that is, <laughs> other than like just I don't know, maybe 
doing. Don't give up set pieces. Yeah, don't give up set pieces. No free quicks, no quarters. And I don't know, maybe just practice headers and training or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, (laughs) no. Basically, no, no. Basically, I guess it's also partially a mentality thing, right? If we don't sharpen up our concentration for ninety minutes, and we tend to concede goals like this, it's kind of maybe it is a mark of a young team. Sometimes I don't know. Maybe this is, yeah. This is one of those. Basically, where... since like like basically the moment like I think the moment changed like the Romel Kyoto sub I think changed the game because it felt like I don't know if Montreal sm- felt smell blood in the water, but like. Kyoto gave them a different dimension once he got on the field. Uh, I think he pulled out wide a lot, kept possession in, kept the ball like in advanced positions moving well, around. Yeah, I mean, even and... from his time at Houston, we kind of knew we kind of knew yeah. that this was kind of his calling card, right? He was going to be yeah. a very he's a very fast he's a very fast dude who can stretch very defenses fast. to his speed. Yes. You know, and I think especially coming on is like against tired legs in the second half. I mean, I think that's a pretty, pretty decent weapon to have, I think, coming off your bench. But um, that being said, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than like, I feel like anything I say about set piece defending will make me feel like, uh, I don't know, like I'm reading into tea leaves too much. <laughs> right. And, I don't know if I'm, yeah, I mean, basically no sweeping proclamations based on that. Other than I think it's something that we need to work on. Um, Montreal definitely did up the tempo, I think, as the game went on. And I think, uh, you know, even as the first half went on, right, and it kind of grew into the game, I had it. I had yeah. a sense that, like, they must have felt that, like, they, like you said, right, they smelled blood in the water. Right. And they just kind of went at us, I think, from the second half onwards. Um, would you say that, like, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a case where, like, we got outmanaged, per se. But down the closing stretch, like, we definitely got outplayed. <laughs> I think. That's not fun to say at home, I think. Not, no, it's not. Yeah. And I think uh, that's, I don't know. I mean, I think it seems like a pretty logical place to kind of wrap this up because I think. Cause I, I, think, think I, f- I still feel like Montreal was also very much surprised that they won that game too. So it's not as, I don't even want to look like we're out coached. I think that, I think uh, th- these were self-inflicted wounds. I don't think, I wouldn't even say that we were outplayed by Montreal in this case. They definitely made their counters work though. I think I'll definitely give yes. credit for that. Like, uh, yes. They, I think they, they... I think we got we got a little we got more desperate up until there was like a desperation to get that second goal and the the more it didn't happen I think the, the team was sending numbers forward and it just it, it didn't help us once Montreal they adapted to it and they again they put on like a really good counter punching style and in the end I think uh, that's kind of what sealed the deal for them really yeah maybe they absorbed their pressure pretty well and then you know. It, Sometimes in football, when you take your chances, <laughs> when they appear to you, things like that happen. I mean, yeah, we saw like this that. last week on the road in New England, right? Exactly. Like, so, you know, so I guess the, the hot take is that uh, if you if you score more goals than your opponent, it's harder for the, the opponent to win. So <laughs> a nuclear take, I know, but uh, something to consider. You know, after the game, I did a seance and I got to talk to the uh, ghost of uh, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, 
I got I got to talk to the ghost of um, what's his name, the guy who. <laughs> The I guy who, the Dutch guy who invented total football, <laughs> Renus Mikels. Renus Mikels, yes, I got to talk to the ghost of Renus Mikels, and he gave me this uh, insight that um, the team that scores the most goals after ninety minutes wins. Damn, you know, I think uh, I, I I don't expect anything else from a <laughs> from a legendary coach whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like that Dutch manager, like oh, which one? <laughs> Steve McLaren what? <laughs> uh, obviously when we think of Dutch managers <laughs> yes the, the... We, we have a bad track record of naming Dutch managers usually when we name a Dutch manager it's usually not for good reasons on this too podcast. many vans dude I mean like there too are more vans in the Netherlands than Caesar Sayoc oops hoy, hoy, hoy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy damn oh boy we went there. <laughs> um, that was pretty fucked up, wasn't it? I mean, this is another reason why we should ban U.S. men's national team fandom. But anyway, um, super bizarre. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go to stocks before we really go off the rails here. Um, All right. The only stock up this week I'm going to give is to Lucinius. <laughs> Oh, that seems about right. Yeah, and I think uh, stock down, so I'll probably issue them to the likes of. Uh, I'm probably gonna give Lewis Morgan one. Oh wait, no, 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 no! I take that back. I'm gonna give Christian Casares Jr. a stock up just to like commend him on like what was a good shift for him. Uh, yeah, like I said, like as soon, other like, than very the attacking good stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he had a he had a shot on goal that went went way out and he had two runners on and i will say though i was in i was in 101 and everyone's like shoot and then he shot wide i'm like see he did what you told him to do you idiots <laughs> yeah please, please, please don't please don't encourage this kind of behavior <laughs> don't encourage this kind of behavior oh only let the guys who oh i mean he can score bangers from distance but uh like uh he didn't there it's uh sometimes it sometimes sometimes it's sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it looks like that uh gif of that guy shooting free throws <laughs> or like a, you know you, you know the one i'm talking about right the guy in the sports goggles who's like just hucking balls from like just uh, huck, just, yeah just like the three-point yeah, line and they're exactly. all like air balls are like hitting the top of the backboard yeah it's a bit like yeah that. <laughs> oh man but yeah i mean i think Okay, yeah, I mean, he's, he had a good rebound showing and a deep pivot, but I still don't think he's the best fit. <laughs> the no, best fit it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, but we don't need to go at that at length. So I think, uh, yeah, ups to Lucinius and uh, CCJ, I guess. Um, downs, I will issue to, um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to give one to Lewis Morgan. I'm going to give one to... Um, I mean, there's a lot of people I can give them to, <laughs> I think, based off of this game. Um, yeah, you think of, like, specific moments, you're like, you get a stock down for that. You get, it's basically like the Simpsons, like, th- that's a paddling, that's a paddling. Yeah, it is a paddling. Taking a shot when you should have passed it, that's a paddling. No, I mean, that definitely for sure, right? <laughs> I mean, it's I think communicating the with whole... your goalkeeper and lead, give, coughing with the ball, that's a paddling. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, both of the players involved in that play deserve a stock down for that one. So yeah, Tom Edwards and Carlos Carnell, I hate to do this, but yeah, I'm going to issue one to that. 
I think because the holdup play has kind of dried up a little bit, and uh, you know, I think he's. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you, you can tell that ever since he missed a penalty, he's kind of struggling mentally a bit, and I re- kind of hope he gets it together. Uh, Patrick Kamala going to have to give him one, I think. But I still think uh, it's a collective thing in offense rather than like. Right. I still think it's a place where 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 too much attribution to like attacking faults is being issued to one player too much. Right. I think you cannot see that without seeing that there's also a general lack of inventiveness in attack right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, based off this last game. Because we were fine before going into international break, you know, but coming out of it, uh, we've been a bit, a bit slow, I would probably say. So, yeah. But only because the hold-up play is like been, has, has dropped off. I mean, uh, none of this histrionic stuff about how, like, what he isn't burying his chances or whatever, because what chances has he had to bury? You know, it's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's that's enough for that. I think that's my stocks. Uh, I'll hand it over to you. Oh, uh, I don't know if I have stocks this week. I've been, okay. I've been lacking in the stocks department, but I feel like that's okay. I felt like Drew Yearwood had another good game. I think we wasted another fine CCJ performance in midfield. Yeah. Oh, Mir, I thought did well. Like I said previously, I was concerned that he would be the odd man out, but he felt very, uh, very competent linking up play towards the end of the game. Some decisions were probably lacking, but uh, you could say that about most people on the team. You could say that about most people yeah. at this point. It's like. It's like, I'm happy that at the very least, it's like, this is a whole team thing, and it's just like one guy bringing us all down. Yeah. Do we give a stock down to, to Struber this week? I think so. I think the subs didn't work particularly well this week. Yeah, I, I think. think just for the subs. Mostly, just mostly, mostly the Lukinia sub in the second half, in the 73rd minute. Like, I don't know why you take him off. Yeah, that was and, very strange to me. I'm not gonna... Yes. <laughs> for Dylan Nealist, who I don't... I, and I this was this yeah. was actually two actually you watch as you want to know something I think that's this was the Lucinia was after Montreal scored the first goal so I don't even know what Struber was thinking in this particular case. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, and it was also Barlow for for Klamala, but I get I sort of get that, but like you bring in Flet- Fletcher was brought in in the eighty fourth minute too, which was strange. Yeah, I mean, uh, considering like we said, right? I mean, I guess. I mean, he wasn't playing much at Watford, I don't think. But I mean, like, this no, he is was not. But still, yeah. somebody who is like, I don't know. I feel like he played longer in at, at the New England game. I'm pretty sure I have those notes here too. But I feel like he came on earlier. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, he like came a on a solid, few minutes, like like a few minutes more earlier. Yeah, it was like a 15 to 20 minute cameo, if I'm not mistaken. But I could uh, be wrong about that. He was brought in the 78th minute against New England. He was brought in the 84th minute this time around. Yeah. So, yeah, like about a 12-minute cameo. Yeah. Might as well be 15 by the time stoppage time ended. So, yeah, exactly. minute cameo. But, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, right? I mean, now that we have a, a full-strength squad with players that were identified to bring in to fit a system, I mean, like, uh, can't really have the same excuses about personnel. And fitness going forward. I mean, it feels like right. sometimes we've been hearing the same shit the last two years. There's a sort of like a kind of inkling of an annoyance for me. But, yeah. you know, I mean, if Schubert can figure it out, then it's a non issue. If we still can't figure it out, it's a very big issue. You know, 
That's right. kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but I would probably say that the sub's kind of warranted. Maybe not as much of a stock down as some of the other ones, but definitely, I think, fair question, right? Yeah. Right. Sorry. Anyway. Is I that think it? that covers this game, yeah. Let's put this in the rear view mirror. <laughs> I think we'd be very glad to say that. I mean, uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit, right? Because I think we all we all love a short king on this podcast. And uh, this we, particular and... game was uh, was was exemplary of short king excellence. Really, that first half, the yeah. interplay between Omir Fernandez, CCJ, Lucinias, <laughs> Andrew and Andrew Yearwood. Yeah, a um, real sight to behold. Not not a single player above five eight. <laughs> we really do love to see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's a good palate cleanser, right? Because let's let's think about this, right? Like, who is the most impressive short king that you can think of in uh, <laughs> the history oh, yeah. of world football? Like, uh, you, you don't get points for saying Maradona because every fucking everybody knows that. Uh, same with Messi because, like, and I, and I, and uh, this is the only time I'm ever going to mention that name on this podcast, <laughs> okay? Because um, I don't know. I mean, we all we we all love to see short king excellence, right? I mean, I think even in the history of this team, uh, we uh, we have had plenty of very good short kings between uh, Anthony Diavola, Dax Bacardi. Ah, yes, Dax Bacardi. Um, I'm sure there's a few more that I'm missing, but point of the matter is, is that you know, I mean, uh, we like to see. <laughs> Short dudes who can dribble and pass the ball a lot. <laughs> yes. Let's see. I don't know. Technic, who, who, technical, technical short guys. Yeah. I don't know. Let's think of what, what are the impressive short guys that you can think of. I mean, I think my all-time favorite would probably be. Uh, I would probably say that I think my favorite short player ever would probably be the likes of uh, what's his fucking name. Oh yeah. I would probably throw Michael Owen in there when he was Ooh, young. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so are there are there different categories of short? Because I feel like he's very much like a a, a a fast short guy get gets on the end of runs, and then there's like short as in like sh- little short technical guys. Yeah, no, that's the thing is like uh, it depends on the flavor that you like, right? I mean, I exactly think, uh, like Michael Owen, Shane Long, like those kind of guys, short strikers. Uh, Jermaine Defoe, another one. Yeah, Jermaine Defoe is pretty fucking rad. I mean, like, just... I mean, I, I miss that. I, I, I miss that sort of era, right? We had, like, that big target man type and, like, the small, fast dude, like, just running off Exactly. Of well, that was cool as shit. I mean, like, even I could admit that, uh, what is it, seeing Emil Heskey, <laughs> Emil Heskey <laughs> and Michael Lewin up top was kind of cool. And uh, I will go on record saying that Emil Heskey doesn't deserve, like, any, like, Probably about seventy percent of the stick that comes his way. Uh, it's uh, most. But, it's it's just little FIFA perverts thinking he sucks. Yeah. Despite the, <laughs> despite the fact that like uh, I mean in terms of hold up play I mean like that's probably the guy that like. Literally everyone who thinks Emil Heskey sucks or like is a meme is either. Uh, well, no, hold on. Either they just you think he's too a many meme. fucking KSI videos, dude. Exactly, right? So it's like either you think he's like a total meme player and not good because uh, you watched FIFA Ultimate Team videos on YouTube in 2012, or you're an English journalist and thought he sucked and, and Michael Owen should have started in his place, and you just hated, uh, I don't know, 
you just hated the English national team and thought that Sven needed to play everyone's favorites. Yeah, exactly. Just, just obsessed with playing Steven Gerrard and and Frank Lampard in one midfield. Like, no, you don't. Playing a four four two, but also playing all your favorites. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say I think the worst part of a, I mean, like uh, the, the the worst part of a U.S. men's national team discourse in recent years is how much it mimics the English press in that regard. Oh my gosh, where, yeah. where it's just like uh, wanking over people who, wanking over what people think the All Star team should be, right? <laughs> Which is basically what's happening here. Without realizing that uh, there's actually kind of no way to fit all those dudes in a right. cohesive system, especially at the national team level. I mean, like uh, if you look back in the early 2000s and mid 2000s England squads, right, and you realize that actually the Gerrard and Lampard midfield axis wasn't really working out because they did too many of they they overlapped each other's spaces too much, quite frankly. Right. And neither was a, you know, I mean. And then, like, the team not having, a, like, a left-footed player, so they just played pulse goals on the left-hand side. You know, we could go on for a while. Yeah. Gonna... The 2000s were a weird time, and I think Skulls with it... a good sense to duck out before it got out of control. Exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, we all know the missing link the whole time was Owen Hargreaves, but that's a exactly. story for another time. Canada's finest. Okay, so we have short kings. So I think we we've split into uh, 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 small fast and then like technical fasts. Yeah, is there a combination of the two? Do either good? You know who was a, you know who was like a good like technical but also small fast. Yeah, who? Antonio Di Natale. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's a name I haven't heard in a, <laughs> in a yes. really long time, man. Holy shit! Wow! Uh, shout out to Serie A back in the day, man. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, I think he was on the Udinese teams that uh, Alexis Sanchez was on as well, right? He, he was, at, yes. He was at Udinese for a really long time, super long time. And More, I would say like that Alexis years. is one of the Alexis is like one of those guys who people forget that he's actually really, really short because yes. he's just so fucking wide. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like Hulk. You know what I mean? Oh yes. <laughs> Italian small guys, you know who else was good? Fabrizio Micoli. Oh yeah, no, actually no, that's a good shout because I mean, for some odd reason, like a uh, uh, Italy has produced a lot of really good short players. <laughs> Fabrizio Micoli also had like those like Dominican lines shaved into his eyebrow too. Only in, in only one. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what we call that, 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 that. That's just that's just flexing, dude. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Uh, how how tall was Wesley Snyder? Five Wesley seven. Snyder okay, was like he's five seven. Exactly, oh. definitely. No, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. I also forgot that, like, the, literally the greatest Italian defender of his generation was only 5'9". Oh, that, my God. How can we forget Fabio Cannavaro? Like, like, what is... Like, I don't know, man. They, 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 they don't produce Italians like they used to, right? Like, <laughs> who, who, are, who are the short kings now in Italian? Marco Verratti, who has a little Lo- rat face. Lorenzo uh, Insignia, I guess. Yeah, right? that's fine, I guess. Uh... Obviously, number one short king right now, Sheridan Chichiri playing in MLS. The power, the power cube. cube. <laughs> yeah, the power cube. <laughs> uh, let me see. I mean, like, I feel like there are a few. I think Chiellini's not the tallest guy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, wait, no, he's six foot two. Never mind. Yeah, I know. He I'm seems pretty tall. I was thinking of someone else, I think. Uh, uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Sergio Aguero, a pretty small guy, very compact, too. 
Yeah, definitely fits into like the small and fast. Uh, yes. Small and fast category. Uh, you know who's oh. probably my favorite technical small small guy, technical short king. Who? Santi Cazorla. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Arsehead's uh, between uh, <laughs> 2009 to like 2000, what 14, something like that. Yeah, what a player he was. I mean, he stuck around for a bit too, but yeah, just a great, uh, great player to watch. The wildest thing about him is that he almost lost his left foot, right? That yeah, that's wild, man. And then he played like, team. and then he played for a few years after that via Real. What a guy! Yeah. I mean, the comeback was pretty insane. I'm not gonna yeah. lie, because I mean, like he was out for like what a solid one or two years just because of like that yeah. foot injury that got exactly or something. Yeah, pretty wild story, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely the only good Spaniard that's ever played in the Premier League. I think. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> would be fair to say. That, that's that's fair to say. Yeah, and I think. Oh, I mean, like, I don't know how you could have a discussion about really cool short players about, like, mentioning, like, uh, the times where you could, like, literally trot out a dude who was 5'5 in goal and have him, like, practically act as, like, a sixth center back in Jorge, oh in Jorge Campos. Yes. Sweeper-keeper legend. He's designed all his kits himself. It was great. I mean, uh... What a legend. You don't make players like that anymore. Nope. I tell you what, Steve. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to be a, a, a physical specimen now. No, you, yeah. I say you don't. Look, I mean, I think uh, nowadays goalkeepers aren't weird enough for me, right? I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think there was there used to be a charm where goalkeepers generally, generally used to be, genuinely seem to be a bit more insane, right? Where, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, uh, not... Where was it just like Oliver Car on barking at people? I mean, like Barthez would, <laughs> Barthez doing Barthez things, dribbling off his line and shit like that. Right. Uh, one of those things where, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's probably one of those things about the game being really, really optimized nowadays. Where like, uh, you know, I think uh, now there's a more defined way to try and play in goal, and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, the game evolves in that way. But I just want to—I just want to shout out an appreciation to the days where, like, you literally have uh, images of the likes of the mad goalkeeper, like a Rene Huguita hitting this, hitting the scorpion kick off his line, yes. stuff like that. It just seemed a bit more fun back then. <laughs> you know which goalkeeper I heard a fun story about the other day? You know, you, Tim Flowers. Yeah, the English guy. The English goalkeeper, right? Yeah. Uh, this is this is a story from the mouth of Ian Wright. Uh, he says he always got along with Tim Flowers when they were playing on English national teams together. But one day, I think they were at a camp and they all had their own rooms. He went by Tim Flowers' room, and Tim Flowers apparently has the sickest reggae collection. You know, like you know, on the one hand, it would it wouldn't really surprise me considering like how big like dub dancehall and like uh, Jamaican music generally is in like uh, British music. Right. Yeah. Of, but would you like, would you would you have pinned that on Tim Flowers? Would you think but, Tim Flowers would be like a a deep reggae head? Yeah. No. Uh, Tim Flowers is a surprising one, but you know, I mean, I I, I kind of do admire uh, the man's dedication to uh, the best Jamaica can offer. <laughs> but I mean, like, if you think about it, right? I mean, like, uh, guys who were born or grew up during the seventies and the likes, right? Seventies uh, or eighties, right? I mean, I think like this is sort of like when. Uh, 
this is sort of like when uh, the electric scene in the UK was really taking a lot of influences from uh, this kinds of music, right? Right. So a lot of early British garage had all those, like, yeah, like we said, those dub and reggae influences that if I guess if you were like a raver or if I was going to hit the clubs enough, like Jordan, like Jordan Pickford. Yeah. If you hit the clubs enough, this would probably be what actually ends up in your rotation if you like, uh, you know, dig a little bit deeper because I think a lot of the early electronic musicians definitely drew a lot of influence from that, but that's really cool. Well, very, very, very roundabout way of me saying that that's really fucking cool. But <laughs> shout, never... out shout, shout out to Tim Flowers. Shout out to Flowers, the, yeah. So, to Southampton all the Kings and all the goalkeepers with personality. We've really gone off on a tangent here. Uh, and I think that's to avoid uh, doing a preview of the next game because I feel like we don't want to jinx the team again. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't. And every time we tried to preview like uh, the next opponent, like uh, we literally just end up devolving of like, how is this guy still in MLS more often than not? Yeah, I, I, so. I didn't even look up. I don't have any notes about FC Dallas. I don't want to look up their record. I just, I just want to win. I don't want to. I don't want to look at their strengths and their weaknesses. I, I don't want. Just, I'm just gonna push positive vibes onto the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe we could focus on, like, team news, I guess, uh, to round out the episode. Because I think, obviously, the news being that, like, what, Ashley Fletcher and, uh, what is it, Lukinius are available Lukinius can 90. go 90 now, yes. Uh, we, we got an update on Andres Reyes as well, I think. Yes. So, so uh, on track for a July return. So that's good to hear. Uh, hopefully yeah i was seeing fo- i was seeing like videos of him on the exercise bike i'm not an expert on this particular injury but like the fact that he can put a little bit of weight on his foot despite you know uh as serious as his injury would take that's those are encouraging we will have uh we will have frankie amaya back next week or this coming this this next coming game which is good yeah. and actually you know i think that that's one of the, the those that really good piece in once a metro i think that came out right that basically says that i think that should probably add a bit more add a little bit of bite back to the midfield, right? Because I think, I think his ability to like kind of shuttle the ball forward and transition draws a yeah. lot of defenders to him, right? And correspondingly creates a lot of space for his uh, his uh, teammates to move into. So uh, hopefully we get our first look with uh, Lukinias and Frankie Amaya uh, this week, you know, and I think uh, it comes at the right time. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to make any sweeping proclamations. No sweeping proclamations. No, no, no haughty statements. Yeah, uh, absolutely no way am I going to say that Lekeep should give us a 10. Exactly. (laughs) Again. (laughs) We're just trying to avoid next week being like, I can't Um, believe I said that thing on the podcast. Yeah, that that, that was my bad. (laughs) I should have known that we were playing the Francophonie team. So (laughs) it's not my fault there. Uh, I, I think, uh, that just about does it really, uh, since we don't really want to go into, uh, the, yeah, we don't really want to preview things too much, uh, other than like, I hope we fucking win the game. That's all I'm really going to say about it. Um, so I think without further ado, I'm probably going to call it a night. (laughs) gonna call the episode here because uh we've gone on for about an hour and i think uh, we don't have any questions left in the mailbox so um i'll probably say that this is where we say goodbye my friends farewell have a good night